What do the Utah Utes need to do to fix their offense? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown YouTube your first listen every single day. We're available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. Today's episode of Lockdown Utes is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Love to interact with you guys in the comments. And speaking of subscribers, we're very close to 2,000 subscribers. So see if this is your first time. Really quick, just hit that subscribe button. And uh, yeah, crazy thing. We're almost at 2,000. Thank you again for all of you who uh, continue to support our show weekly. And uh, even though Utah doesn't have a game this week, we have a lot to talk about, especially after that rough Friday performance for Utah, in which they did fall to, albeit a top 20 team in Oregon State, and I do think legit top 20 team, even though they have that one loss. I, I think Washington State's also a top 20 team. The, the Pac-12 is good this year, as we know. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot to talk about in Utah's 21-7 to loss. And, uh, you know, even though you gave up 21 points most on the season, the Utah defense, some people might be like, ah, from the outside looking in, you're like, I'll oh, give up more points, the most points you've given up on the season. Maybe you start with the defense, but obviously – with everyone who watched the game, you know that the defense isn't the issue, <laughs> it is the offense. And uh, yeah, the offense has a lot of things they need to clean up. So when talking about just what does Utah need to do to fix their offense, unfortunately, the answer, the number one answer is very simple. They need Cam Rising back. They really do. It's just evident after multiple starts now. First, they tried it with Bryson Barnes, and it started off so great, right? When you talk about the first pass to Money Parks, it was might be the best pass that Barnes has thrown this season. Honestly, he might have peaked with his first pass. And I thought he played well and gave the Utah a little bit of a spark in that drive he was in on Friday. Unfortunate to see it end in an interception, of course. But uh, that one he did get. But even he was just put in a bad position by all the negative plays Utah had before that, too. So, But either way, Bryson Barnes, the first game. Utah's offense started a little hot in that one. Nate had a rushing touchdown in the first half. Uh, Utah offense didn't really mount any successful drives on their own. They scored. They either score or kicked a field goal against Florida in the second half, but that was off a turnover. Uh, gets Baylor, you do nothing for the whole game. Then credit Nate Johnson, right, having that great drive at the end of the game, driving Utah down, making a couple big throws for the Utes. And uh, then you go into the Weber State game, FCS opponent. Nate looked good. The offense was clicking. UCLA offense mustered one touchdown, uh, a couple turnovers and uh, some fumbles, and just, just did not play well at home. So it's like, all right, how are they going to look against Oregon State? You know, uh, Nate's been starting his first road Pac-12 test. How's he going to look? How's he going to do? And the offense was abysmal. I mean, there's no way around it. When anytime you only score seven points, uh, that touchdown came in garbage time. It was kind of, uh, maybe not garbage time when the game was a historic comeback away from Utah at the point it was scored, basically. So that's where it's just it's tough. They they need Cam back because their struggles, and we're going to talk about some of the other ones, in a lot of ways are directly related to quarterback play whether it was Bryson all over the place against Baylor. And as I mentioned, yes, he looked good for one drive, but 
even though I didn't blame the interception on him too much, just because like before that he was put in such a negative position when he got the team into the red zone. And then the sack that wasn't on him and the low, uh, low snap from Jaron Kump that wasn't on him too. So yeah, I didn't like the interception, but it's not like the offense was clicking before he got in there. Right. So Bryson hasn't been the answer. And we just saw the, the kind of final to me, like last and strongest piece of evidence that as it pertains to right now, uh, it's just going to be hard for this team to win against PAC 12 teams, um, especially this year in the Pac-12 with Nate Johnson at quarterback, especially on the road. Utah can win some more games at home maybe, but just with the offense looking as it has the last two weeks, it's just I, I think Nate's just needs a little bit more time, right? And I, uh, it's, it's, one of, it's not just on Nate, right? We're going to talk about the play calling in the second segment. Um, I can talk about the receivers and offensive line in a moment, but at the end of the day, the Utah quarterbacks just haven't been executing. The accuracy has not been there. When you look at it, um, some of the drops were directly related to Balls the receivers should catch, and they would tell you so. But I think if you would even ask Nate, right? Then I, I haven't talked to Nate, but I'm just saying, like, if you look at it, you're like, I think Nate would tell you, like, I need to make a need to do a better job delivering that ball. Obviously, I'm not talking about like one to Emory Simmons that bounces right off his hands. I'm talking more so some of those shorter throws to like uh, Mikey Matthews, where he has to bend over to try to grab him and, and and things like that. And I also saw some people saying that the drops were a bigger issue than the quarterback play. I think the reason some people may feel that way and the drops did feel big and they were bad drops. A lot of them were, but when the opportunities to make a play on the outside came so few and far between that just because Utah was having trouble finding players on the outside. And I think the largest reason for that was quarterback play. That's why the drop so felt felt so detrimental to me is when the few times Nate did find them a couple, there were drops throughout the game. So once again, it's not all on Nate, but Utah does not have just the quarterback play up to par right now. When you're talking about from an accuracy standpoint and, uh, and even just, just operating the position, getting the team set in general, Cam rising, I still believe is a top 10 college football quarterback, Nate Johnson, Bryson Barnes. They're not that I think they're adequate backups, but even that's being tested right now, right. With how they performed. And anytime you go in, once again, I mean, Utah played like they had a backup quarterback starting against a top 20 team. You're not really supposed to win those games because of how just good overall a top 20 team is, but it just, it looked rough when your defense gave you chances throughout it and you couldn't manufacture drive. So uh quarterback play would be the number one thing. Got to get cam back. Cause he cleans up the accuracy. Uh, we know what he does from a mobility standpoint, do just the decision to scramble. The decision-making is the biggest thing, accuracy and decision-making. Cause we know Nate is a fantastic uh, scrambler when it's a little like clear and obvious, but just cam does a better job of sensing when there's a play to be made downfield and when it's time to tuck and run. Cam rising does a better job than that. I don't think there's that. That's a hot take at all. Um, the other thing outside of obviously really quick, like the pass catchers have to make plays. I've been a defender of the receivers. I've been like, Oh, they're getting open. We're just not getting them the ball. Um, and at times that was true last week too. But overall, like you, anytime you get those chances, there were some really brutal drops in this game and that has to stop. And that has to be cleaned up. But moving on from that one, uh, I think the last thing you guys just the offensive line has to play better. I mean, we're going to do because it is the bye week. I just kind of wanted to do a general episode, talk about what the Utah offense needs to do better. Uh, we'll do a more comp- comprehensive film breakdown and all that uh, coming up this week of, of the Oregon State game. But this has just been a trend throughout the season where I feel like the offensive line has not been up to standard. And this is not a doubting Jim Harding thing. I think he'll get it right. I think he'll get this team on track. But each game, whether it's the left tackle issues, whether it's Ben Fano or uh, Tongi was in the when Fano was hurt too, left tackle position hasn't been up to standard. I, I think it's been an up and down year for Keaton Bills still too. 
Uh, they do need Johnny Maya back. I, I think that's clear at this point. Jaron Combs has done some nice things, but the low snap and a couple missed blocks are been really detrimental to this team at times. Uh, Moku, uh, Mokofisi up and down too. Even Satawa, I, I think up and down as well. Satawa had that great first game, and I don't think he's played up to the same standard that he set from himself after that first game too. So I don't think there's any... As of the how they're playing right now, I don't think anyone from the Utah offensive line would be a first-team Pac-12 offensive lineman. And, and this is where it always gets tough because sometimes those you make those awards not always based on what you do. Sometimes you make it on your reputation, and I, I think we've seen that in the past. And I, I really like Satao Laumea, but and I didn't watch every other team play last year, but I just based on I, – I, I watched every snap of Utah last season, and I watched it back twice. I was very surprised when Satawa made it. I think he's a very good player and did very good things at right tackle, but I thought there was definitely a transition and up and down. And just sometimes, like I said, it's tough when you come to these all Pac-12, all-conference team awards, you're getting media members who vote on it who they're not watching every single snap of an offensive lineman. They're not breaking it down. They're just not looking at, okay, how the left tackle do on this exact play. They got a lot of other things to worry about, so that's where I don't think those awards are always the best representation of how offensive linemen especially are, are playing it up to standard. So uh, either way, just recapping this, offensive line has to play better, quarterbacks have to play better too, receivers have to catch passes, and uh, I think Jalen Glover can can hit a couple holes too, although I, I think he's played pretty well overall. I don't, don't think the running backs are the problem for this Utah team, although Utah definitely needs to get a healthy on offense. That's another big theme with uh, the absence of Brant Keithy and Jaquindon Jackson having just missed this recent game too. So that's the, when you're talking about from a personnel standpoint, those are the issues, right? Getting Cam back, offensive line playing better, I have to get the pass catchers making play. Also could use Micah Pittman back. He was supposed to be a, a key part of this team, and it just hasn't worked out because of injuries and other stuff. So that's kind of the first main issue. But we do have to talk about just from a play calling standpoint, where has this offense kind of sputtered at? And like how much is the play calling to blame for its uh, its failures through this point in the season? And we are going to be doing that in one second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Athletic Bruin. Now is the time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, ooh, Game Changer of the Week, got to go, excuse me, got to go on the defensive side of the ball for this one. I'm going to roll with, it's something to say Jonah Ellis again, just because of all the plays he made in the in the backfield too, but I'm going to give it to, let, let's go, mm, like I said, a lot of guys, a lot of names. It's always hard to pick it after a loss too, Hala. I'll say that as well, but uh, off the top of my mind, you know, I'm going to go with Keanu Tanu Vasa. I thought he made it a couple of nice plays in the the defensive front to help stop the Oregon State rushing attack as time and, uh, and did a good job pushing the pocket a few times on DJ YouTube. But either way, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste really good. Their beers are great tasting and they're award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 style of crap non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety they're fit for all time so you can drink them anytime anywhere and make any activity even more enjoyable whether it's watching the big game taking your kids to their games tackling work working out even or tackling work or working out even there's no hangovers ever and you can find athletic in store online and at bars around the country they're the fastest growing non-alcoholic brewery in the u.s so you can get on board right now and you can find athletic brewing co's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com first-time customers can use code locked on to get 15 percent off your order online that's code l-o-c-k E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic, Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. 
Also, I want to talk to you guys about one of the sponsors of today's episode in UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and so much more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app so you can play anytime anywhere the more you play the more you learn and the more you learn the more you earn learn and earn part of uccu's award-winning b money smart youth banking program helping kids teens and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together uccu love where you bank all righty diving into the play calling aspects for for utah now and how much does the play calling uh deserve blame for the offense and i i think you could say a large portion of it and i think this is something even coach witt has alluded to i'm forgetting the exact quotes now but he's just mentioned like putting guys in better positions to make make plays and things like that anytime you're struggling everyone has to look in the mirror and reflect on what they can do better and i think andy ludwig would would be someone who tell you that there's other things that he could do as well just in, in general i've very rarely heard a a team that's losing and just in, and a coach come to the podium and not say like, Oh, I needed to be better and, and do stuff like that. And I think the same applies for Andy Ludwig, right? Um, number one, I, you just need to, to me, you need to call plays that suit your players strengths. And Utah does this at times, but Nate Johnson is the biggest reason. And I've talked about this on the show before we were all excited about Nate Johnson was his dual threat capabilities. If you would have told me that when Nate Johnson starts this year, in his first Pac-12 road game, like that he's starting because Cam's out for injury, I'd be like, okay, so the game plan's going to have a mix of quarterback runs and also him throwing because I believe that Nate can get there as a passer, and we've even saw flashes of it against a Weber State, that drive against Baylor. Um, had a couple of nice passes against UCLA still overall, but um, I would have said, but he still needs to run because that's the reason we were all so excited about him last year. He had those three or four rushing touchdowns, which you're like, is he the fastest guy on the team? Like, that, that's incredible. He's, he's just moving that quickly, so to then go into Oregon state like that and to see how much this offense struggled against UCLA too, and not see any design quarterback runs. It's really disheartening to me because it's like, okay, that's not even put That's to me. That's not putting Nate in a position to succeed. If you're only asking him to be a drop back passer, when we've seen that's part of that, he can do it at times, but it's still not his best attribute. His best attribute at this point, based on what we've seen play out at the collegiate level is his legs and to not call more designed runs. I just, it really, really disappoints me. I just think that's pampering your offense when that could be one of your most effective plays. I think that needs to be more incorporated in it. I also just love what it does from the standpoint of you make the running back an extra blocker. So the, basically they're the lead blocker. That's not even factoring the tight ends. You might be pulling in a various aspect of things that go into this, obviously the offensive line. And that's just a, a lot of bodies. And Nate is such a great runner with the ball in his hands. Like he can make the one defender miss that comes through. I think Nate's first design carry came after he came in for Bryson and he gained like nine yards on it. So that's where it's just disappointing to me and uh, that you're not putting a guy like Nate in a better position to succeed because he is electric at the, his legs and he should have an opportunity to run. This is a guy who was burning SEC defenses and the Oregon State defense is of that caliber. So you got to let him cook in that scenario by using his legs more. So uh, that's another one. I, I still I know the money, the sweet game, the money hasn't always worked, but I felt like especially in a game like this where some things hadn't been going outstanding to give that a try. Uh I know the receiver screen wasn't game wasn't really there either, but like I said, the sweeps being the biggest thing. And I just get, that's kind of the biggest thing with putting players in position to succeed. Really. It's a more of a Nate thing. And even I will say at times, I think that 
you know, whenever you got a rookie left, a freshman left tackle over there, you should probably chip and just help out a little bit more than even Utah does. So one, that's the first thing, uh, putting your players in positions to succeed. And the other thing I will just add is, is being more creative, right? That's with the runs. They're very, the Utah's a zone heavy team, right? But just because you're a zone heavy team doesn't mean you can't do other things at time. I, I feel like I remember in the past that this Utah team did have a little bit more creativity in their run. think we're back sorry if we had a uh brief audio delay there but um yeah that's just one of those things for this uh for this utah team to recap kind of what i was saying you just got to be more creative uh whether it's more creative runs more creative passing plays i think what was it the second or third pass the second pass of the game for nate uh fake the handoff got him on the move a little bit quick throw to money parks like nate is good at throwing on the move and a lot of times they, they didn't get Nate throwing on the move. He just stayed in the pocket. So that's another thing, like be more creative. And it even ties back to put your players in a position to succeed. That I didn't feel like Utah did that against Oregon State. So uh, just more creativity on the offense, different kind of runs, different kind of pass plays, uh, do a good job disguising stuff. The play to Landon King, this is where it's hard. And I'm going to go back and watch the film. That would have been a touchdown, had an opportunity for the Mokafisi false start, I think it was. I, I'm not sure if Utah went back to that. Like that's something that, okay, can we get back to it? Or what can we use off of that? to then craft a different play that can be successful. That, those are the kind of things that I, I just think Utah needs to do a better job of. And I think the way you do a better job of me being more creative and crafting a game plan to your player strengths goes into the third point. You can't play, you can't play not to lose. You just can't. That's the, and that is the reason in my opinion that we didn't see designed runs for Nate Johnson is because he's fumbled a couple times. So I, I just think that Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig were like, well, we know how good our defense is. We don't want to put them in a bad position. Let's just not turn it over. And we know Nate's fumbled a little bit, so let's not have him run. Like, I just, that's where I'm like, that's playing not to lose. Because if you're also asking me like, okay, what's one of the best plays with Nate, arguably the best play with Nate at quarterback, it's the quarterback designed run game. And you're like, well, but it also gives us a high probability to turn it over. It's like, well, don't tell me what the worst outcome is. Tell me what the best outcome can be at times, especially when you're struggling. You got to just go for it. Be the aggressive mindset. I'm not talking about Brandon Staley. Always go for it on fourth down in those instances. But I am talking about using just, once again, just maximizing your talent on the field, putting them in positions to succeed. And I didn't think Utah did a good job of that again because they didn't play to win at times. Uh, I, I feel like they should have pushed it down the field more. Some of that's on Nate. Some of that's on the play calling. At times, too, just more creative stuff, getting guys on the move and on the run. But you got to be aggressive, got to take shots, especially when you're trailing. I liked the decision to try something new with Bryson, and that was working. And it was tough to see him get shaken up like that. And uh, it just seemed like he was going to mount the first successful drive for Utah until all that just the bad stuff happened uh, in general from an execution standpoint. And I think in some ways that also comes with the, the to the play calling is just Utah has to execute better, uh, whether it's lack, you got to cut down on the bad penalties or the mistakes with the snaps and that kind of stuff, it has to change. If, if Utah wants to compete in what is right now, I, I think the top heaviest conference in college football, I don't, I don't think that's a top take, top take overall. I'm not, I know the SEC has Georgia and, and Alabama still obviously very good, but like they're not as top heavy as the pack Washington, USC. I can make an argument that Washington and USC should both be in the, in the top four right now. I'm not saying it's a great argument for USC with how that defense looks. Washington definitely should be. Um, but even with a USC, right? It's like, well, they, they just beat a good Colorado team or a, a frisky Colorado team. I guess I don't know if I can call them good anymore after they've kind of, you know, they got bludgeoned by Oregon. Um, they got beat pretty good by USC too, even though they had that late comeback in that one. So 
yeah, you got to play not to lose to me. Uh, just continue to be aggressive overall. And the great thing is Utah has two weeks to either get Cam Rising back or really retool and rework this offense if they want to have success. They have a good trial run against Cal. Utah should beat Cal at home. This Utah team, as we love to say, say it with me also, hasn't lost a true home game since 2018. And that should not happen to the Cal Golden Bears. It very well could happen to Oregon if this team, and in fact, if the offense doesn't improve, like Utah's going to lose that game. I, I just don't see how Utah is going to hold Oregon under two touchdowns. I, I think that's just really going to be hard to do. And even if they force a defensive touchdown, like Utah has to be more productive. Oregon already basically has a shutout this year. I think Colorado scored a late touchdown on that one, but their defense has been has been pretty stout to begin the season. They've had given up some touchdowns, but they're capable of doing what Oregon State just did to Utah. So. It's going to have to be cleaned up. The offense has to get right, and uh, we're going to continue to talk about what changes and just adjustments need to be made to the offense, but those are the main ones from a play calling and just a personnel standpoint, too, that I wanted to hit on in this uh, first bi-week episode of Locked on Utes. And uh, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about some of my opponent observations I had just uh, watching some of the future opponents that Utah is going to be playing very soon this past college football weekend. I did want to talk about what I saw from them and how I think Utah um, is going to be impacted in those games. We're going to be discussing that in one moment, but I want to talk you a little bit more about the great people at FanDuel Sportsbook. You guys can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel an official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, coming back in to close this one out. Let's do opponent observations. This is something I started a few weeks ago since Pac-12 play began, and we're not talking about Cal in this one, um, who's one is two weeks away. So we're gonna we're gonna wait a little bit to talk about Cal. We'll we'll get there. Don't worry though. Um, but I do want to talk about some of the other teams that uh that Utah played, and the first one may surprise you a little bit because I could go like USC. That'll be the second team. Um, Oregon continues to do their thing. They actually might have been on by this week now that I said that out loud, but obviously they look really good. Uh, Pac-12 is good. There's a lot of good teams. We already talked about that. Um, but let's. there are some under-the-radar teams that I think could pose problems to Utah, especially if the offense doesn't pick up. One of those is Arizona. And yes, Arizona lost 31-24. to But with a backup quarterback, the Wildcats down in Tucson gave Washington their toughest test of the season in, in terms of how the game played out. 31 is the lowest that Washington has scored this season and 24 for Arizona is one of the higher is just is the closest like them scoring 24 31 it's the closest the game has been too so what does that tell you about an Arizona team coached by Jed Fish uh they're really well coached they play really hard and they're stout at home and it's hard to win on the road if you don't have your potent offense clicking on all cylinders yes you can get into a defensive grudge match but it just it makes it tougher and this is definitely one that could be a trap game for Utah if they don't figure out their offense and if the other things happen, especially because the timing of the Arizona game is you will have come off the, it'll be Cal, then it's USC, then it's Oregon, then it's, uh, I think it's Arizona State, then like Washington, and then I think it's like Arizona after that. So if Utah was to somehow make that stretch with even like just one loss or go undefeated, you're riding high, you fly down to Tucson, you could catch an L. This is a fierce Arizona team. Coach Fish has been in the process of building this program. I think they're better than their record indicates. I think they're capable of hanging with the top teams in the conference, and they made it interesting against Washington. I think they could make it interesting against Utah too. 
and that is absolutely if Utah doesn't pick up the the play that we saw last week offensively and get to a higher level, Arizona is going to give them everything they can handle because I do think this is a good Wildcats team, and I think they're well-coached, under-coached fish, that, uh, especially with the, once Delora gets back. This is not going to be like last year when Delora had to come out to Salt Lake, play you know in the mountains with a rowdy Rice-Eccles Stadium fan base. You're going into their house. It's, a, it's just hard to win on the road. Utah 0-3 in their biggest road games last year. Now 0-1 to start in their biggest one this season. And yeah, you could say maybe the Baylor one was, but I just I look back on that Baylor team, and I know they found a crazy way to win against UCF, but Sawyer Robertson, they started the season with the loss to Texas State. Just winning Sawyer Robertson's first true start, too. He started to play a little bit better. Like Even that one, I just don't look back on it and go, like that was one of the biggest road games. Like The biggest road games on Utah season, We knew I, I even said coming into the year, at Oregon State, at USC, at Washington, because those are all top. Two of those might be top five teams, and the other one in Oregon State could eventually be top 15 team, but right now it's a top 20 team. So Utah started the season 0-1. We'll see if they get better in those road games. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is, uh, and it goes back to the offense. Like Utah is going to have to score to beat USC. I mean, we saw it again, right? Caleb Williams against Colorado in that big uh, big noon showdown. Uh, he was 30 for 40 in passing-wise, 400 yards, six touchdowns, and had one pick. And look, Caleb Williams, I, I know Shador Sanders get tight. Michael Penix has done some really nice things too. Uh, Drake May, NFL-wise, is getting some love. I, I, I think Caleb Williams is still overall the best player in college football, and I do believe he's the best quarterback. Um, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I was happy they won on Sunday. I kind of want my team to tank for Caleb Williams in some way because I think he's that transcendent of a talent. You guys have gotten to see him in person. I know that some of the antics and stuff um, can rub people the wrong way. I didn't love all of them either. But when you're just talking about like, okay, turn on the tape, like how talented is this dude? He's the best college quarterback I've ever seen play in person. And I've ha- I've seen CJ Stroud play in person. I've seen, well, college-wise, Sam Darnold was decent and Baker Mayfield was too. Obviously, they didn't pan out NFL-wise, but like we've seen, uh, we because we're we've been uh, you guys as well go to these Utah games. You see good quarterbacks play. Caleb Williams, some of the throws he makes, I've never seen anything like it. And yes, Utah held them under twenty five. Was it in the in the Pac twelve championship last year? But that was also after Caleb got hurt and the injury. If you guys go back and watch that game, you can see it's affecting him. He's hobbling around out there, giving it all he's got, and still making plays for this team. A healthy Caleb Williams, which is what I anticipate him being when Utah and USC face off in what in, in three weeks away now is that he's going to give Utah everything they can handle, especially in the Coliseum, motivated after losing to Utah twice last year. Utah has to be dialed in. They USC rushing attack is solid. Uh, they got a good tight end. And when you're talking about Brendan Rice, Washington, Mario Williams, Dorian Singer, who was really good with Arizona last year. And how about the freshman in Branch? Uh, he's been electric. Like these is It's great weapons. It's one of the best offensive minds in college football. And it's Caleb Williams. Like you can, Utah's defense is good enough to force some like three and outs and just force that offense to stall. I just think it's going to be incredibly hard to hold them under 20 points because of how talented they are. Caleb Williams in his second year at USC now, third year in Lincoln Riley's offense. He looks great. And the only way to beat USC is going to be to score against them, not with them, but score against them. And I reason I don't say score with them is like when you say score with them, I think normally it's associated with scoring like 40 points a game. Utah can score, can move the ball. Like you just have to be able to, okay, we weren't able to score this drive, but you got to respond on the next. I think if Utah has two drives in a row where they don't get any points, they're going to be in trouble because you might force USC into a three and out once or just stall, but you're not going to do it the second time because of how loaded this offense is. Kayla's ability to keep plays alive is second to none in college football. And Utah's going to be really tested defensively when they play him because he's really hard to bring down. And that ability to keep plays alive, the arm strength, the ability to throw at different angles, 
is what makes guys like Joe Klatt say he would start on 18 NFL teams right now. And I, I think he might very well be right in that to tie back to what I said about wanting my NFL team to have a chance at him because he's that good. So Utah's offense is going to have to get right if they want to win what's arguably their biggest game of the season. Utah can lose two games and still make the Pac-12 championship because I think there's a lot of chaos. We're only two weeks into Pac-12 play. There's a lot of chaos in the Conference of Champions final season that's going to occur. But you got to put yourself in position to capitalize on it just like Utah did a season ago. Can they do it? That's what we're going to see. I still believe this team can, and I still believe they'll be able to with a cam rising when he gets back healthy. But once again, that's all it can be is belief until we see cam out there. So we're going to continue to talk all things Utah uh, this coming week. That's going to do it for opponent observations and this Monday episode, but make sure you guys keep it with us. The film breakdown, uh, some season, just like recaps and grades so far on the year, all that coming up this week on Locked On Utes. If there's anything else you guys want me to talk about, it is the bye week. Would love to take your guys' questions on this team, uh, especially those of you who did listen to the end of this episode, all 28 minutes of it. Uh, starting off the bye week with a long one. So I appreciate you guys hanging in with us. And we will be back just tomorrow's show, as I mentioned, breaking down some film and some tape for you. So we look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's Locked On Utes.